Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. It's good to be with you in Montgomeryville as well, man. We're excited to be in church. We get to jump into week number two of a sermon series we called Satan's Bulletin Board Material. What I want to do is I want to deal with the main battle of, in your life. The Bible says your battle is not against flesh and blood. So when you think about your life, you think about enemies, you think about people you have a hard time with, oftentimes we think physically. These are the people that get on my nerves. This is the situation. But the Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and principalities of this world. We, we, have, a, we have a spiritual battle that oftentimes uh, is waged in our mind, and we don't really know how to, t- 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 to handle it. And so what I want to do is I want to go through uh, different ways that Satan talks trash in, to us and give you ways to c- come against it. So last week, we, we built a foundation. You remember, I, I told you the Bible said uh, in Ephesians 4, it says, be strong in the Lord uh, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may stand against the devil's schemes. And so what, what I told you last week is I said, before you speak, evaluate before you escalate. Do, do you, is what you're saying true? Is it just emotional or is it spiritual foundation? Is it true, right? So how do you do that? You're going to educate yourself in the Word of God, right? So you're going to read it, uh, write it, recite it. You guys remember that? Should Read it, write it, recite it. You're going to educate yourself in the Word of God, and then you're going you're gonna to speak. You're going to speak truth over any situation that you face. In fact, the Bible says uh, that the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. So it has a- a- everything in the Word of God to take on any battle that you're going to face. So, so next week, we'll, we're, we're going to, just so you know where we're going, I want to take a look at uh, when Satan says, God won't to you. God, God won't do that, what you're praying for. You've been praying for that for years, and it hasn't happened yet. God's never going to do it. God, God won't listen to your prayers. God won't come through on his promises. God won't satisfy you. Find something else. God, God won't, right? We're going to take a look at that next week. Some of you have been praying very specifically for something. Maybe you've been praying to get pregnant, or you've been praying... For, for a child that's grown old, older, they've walked away from the Lord. You've been praying that they would come back or you've been praying for a different opportunity in your career and you've been praying for a while and it simply hasn't happened. And I, I believe Satan is work. God won't, he's not going to do it. He, he, he won't, he won't do it. Uh, today, I want to take a look at the topic of, of you can't, you, you can't, you can't change. It runs in your family. You're too weak. You're too much of a pansy. You've tried it before and you failed. So don't try again. You can't, you can't do it. Now, I, I'm a, I, like, I like sports. Some of you, you know that if you come to this church. I like all sports. And so this week we went and supported our, our, our local football team, Phoenixville. And so I'm a big believer. Whatever town you live in, go, go be a part of, of, of the sporting events there. Even if you don't have a kid playing and you can go, if you have a band, kid in the band, whatever, go, go, go to the game, right? And so, uh, so we went to the game. Our kids aren't in, the, in playing yet, but they play, they play little peewee football. And so they all have their jerseys on. And there's so many fun elements at a football game, right? right? Like you got, you got the two teams, obviously, right? You got the visitors and the, the home team. You got, you got the, the cheerleaders. You got the band. 
band, anybody in the band? Remember anybody in the band? You don't want to admit that? Okay, one person, okay. And so in the band, you, you, they, the bands even changed. Like they rolled out, they rolled out props. When I was a kid, it was drums and, you know, clarinets. And, and now they got props are rolling around. And even the halftime show was cool. When you eat, you eat food you shouldn't eat at a football game. And it came down, it was, they were losing 30 seconds left. They scored a game-winning touchdown, like a 60-yard pass. They ended up winning. And the fight song and the, the players coming. It was just a really cool, cool environment. My favorite part of, of, of football and just sports in general when you go to college or high school is the student section. You know what I'm talking about? The kids that don't play that are just super annoying. You know what I'm talking about? Like their job, their job in the student section, like oh, at Phoenixville, they all dressed in black and their job was basically cheer on your team and harass the other team, right? And one of my favorite things that they did, this, this has been going back for years and I'm not even sure they did it on Friday night because we weren't close enough to them to hear it. But when I played basketball, whenever your student section would be in the stands, whatever you were doing, and the, and the opposing team is there, you know if you commit a foul in basketball and the ref calls it on you, that it goes without saying you, didn't, you complain about it, right? Like you've never committed a foul in your entire life. And so if you're playing a player or a team and the, and the guy complains about the foul, right? He starts complaining to the ref and he's getting all upset. The student section all together in unison will look at that player and they would say, you can't do that. You can't. You ever been there? You're like, dude, it's super annoying, right? And they would just, you can't. And I just thought to myself, that's Satan. You're trying something. Some of you new believers, like you're, you're a brand new believer. And you started to follow Christ. You look around. You think everybody got their act together. You don't know them very well. And so, and you think to yourself, like, I can't, I, you know, I can't, ever, I can't ever stop cursing. And I couldn't ever be faithful to my spouse. And I can't ever stop look, looking, at, looking at pornography. And I couldn't ever stop doing this or drinking or whatever you struggle with before you come to Christ. And you really, you really try. And, and, and then you fail because you're a new believer. And so you're still going through the process or you mess up. And what is Satan there to do? You can't do it. You can't do it, right? Maybe you're an older believer, and you've, you've failed, right? Like, you've, you've, you've messed up. Like, this is going to be a newsflash for some of you. I've been following Christ for a long time, and I mess up almost every day, right? Almost every day. Almost every week, I'm standing over here on this, this, this area where I stand before I come up, and I hear in the back of my head from Satan, you shouldn't be going up there because you remember what you said this week, right? You remember what you, what you did. You remember how you acted. You remember what you thought. You shouldn't go up there and speak because you're not qualified. You remember you barely passed Bible college. You're going to teach the Bible for 30 minutes. You shouldn't be teaching anything, right? And I hear in my head, and maybe you hear it too as a seasoned believer. What do you hear? You can't do it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You stepped outside of yourself and you're doing something uncomfortable and you're trying something. Some of you, God will call you to something that if he doesn't intervene, it will be impossible. That, that will be a part of your life. He'll call you to step out in faith and you're about to step out in faith and, and you're worried. And what are you hearing? You can't do it. Some of you have tried and tried and tried. You're making an effort to stop doing drugs or be a, be a good spouse or be a good coworker or, or be a good student. And you can't, you can't do it. And Satan loves to fill our heads with you can't do it moments, and here's why, because they'll get us to be discouraged, and that's his greatest asset in our life. There's a story I heard one time, Satan was having a yard sale. I think all yard sales are demonic, and so, uh, just my opinion, and so some of you love them, I know, I'm like, this is not something I want to be a part of, and so if I ever had a yard sale, I just give it away. I don't want, to, I don't want you to, to just, just take it, right? And so, uh, and so, he having a yard sale, and people walked up, and they started looking at his tools he was selling, he had all these weathered tools. 
You know the tools. He had tools like spite and hatred and envy and jealousy and immorality and deception. They were, kind of, they were kind, of, kind of expensive, but still affordable. And then under all the tools in the back was this really worn out tool uh, and had a really high price tag on it, almost too expensive for a yard sale. So somebody asked him, what, what's this tool? Why is it so expensive? Why, why it's all worn out? It looks kind of broken. What, what is it? He said, that's discouragement. Why is, it so, why is it so worn out? He says, because I use it on everyone. Why is it so expensive? He's like, because it always works. He, he loves he loves to get people discouraged. You know how we get discouraged? We try, we fail, we frustrate, we quit. We try, we fail, we frustrate, and eventually most believers, they quit. So what I want to do is I want to work you through, the, through these moments. If you don't have one in your head right now, eventually you will have Satan come to you and say, you can't, why are you even bothering you can't do it. And I just have two thoughts for you how you're going to answer him with truth, not with emotion, with truth. How to respond to Satan's you can't discouragements. Number one is this. This is how you start. You're going to say, you're right. I can't do anything on my own. You're right. I, listen, I know that is, you ever, remember when you, when you were a kid, maybe you, in, if you, your parents had a boardroom or something like that, or sold insurance or something like that, you'd go into their office and they would have those pictures on the wall. They're supposed to be motivational pictures. It'd be like a golf course and it would say excellence on it. You remember that? Or, or like a weight room and it would say grit. You guys know what I'm talking about? This was like pre-Twitter, pre-Pinterest, pre-social media, like social guru people trying to pump you up. Like you would just have a picture somewhere. And, and I get it. Like in our culture, like what we typically teach people, even in church, try harder. Try, try harder. Give more effort, right? Wake up earlier. Stay up later. Lift more weight. Like, and there's areas of our lives physically that that is part of it. You got to try a little bit harder. We, you have kids. Like, you got to give a little bit more effort. No, you can't have a drink. You just ran one lap. Like, you got to give a little more effort, right? Get, get a little more grind to your life. Like, get, get up and give that effort. But there's things spiritually in your life that no matter how hard you try to fix, you're not strong enough to do it. And Satan loves when you try, you fail, you frustrate, and you quit. You try, you fail, you frustrate, and, and you quit. And you know why? Because your trying leads to failure, and your failures get bigger and bigger and bigger. Your misses get bigger and bigger and bigger. My son Lincoln, my middle son, he played softball, or, uh, t-ball a few years ago. First year t-ball. Anybody have a kid play t-ball? One of the worst experiences of a parent's life, right, watching your kids play t-ball. It's just, it's just boring, right? You're like, you don't even, you just, you just, just got to get through it, right? Let's get, the, let's get the real baseball, right? But he played t-ball. And uh, first game did pretty well, right? Hit the ball, made a couple outs, stuff like that. So he gets a little cocky. He's just five years old, gets a little cocky, gets it from his mom. And so he gets in the car and he's he, he, we're pulling up and he starts talking about it. It's no lie. He's like, dude, I'm, I'm awesome at baseball. I'm probably the best player on my team, which I want to tell him. It's not, it's not really saying much, right? And so... But I'm like, you, 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 you probably shouldn't say that. I mean, I'm going over Bible verses. Pride comes in the fall and all this stuff. So he gets up, no lie, and God has a funny way of humbling us, right? He gets up to bat, and, and he goes to hit the ball. And he's trying because he's locked in because he's, he, he was, was successful. And he swings at the ball. And you, you know in T-ball when you swing and you miss the ball and you get right underneath the tee, and you hit the tee and the ball drops and it doesn't go anywhere? You know what I'm talking about that time? Okay, so he did that the first time. I'm like, okay. I was like, okay, that's good. So I was like, keep your eye on the ball, right? So he swung again, even harder. Guess what he did again? Hit the tee, ball falls on the ground, misses, right? So they, they lowered it a little bit for him. It's like, yeah, obviously, it's too low. He swung again, third time, hit the tee, ball falls on the ground. Here's the bad news about tee ball. You can't strike out, yeah. <laughs> right? 
So fourth time, no, no lie, this is a true story. Fourth time, put the ball up, put it up a little bit, you know, put him in position. I'm, a, I'm, I'm on the fence right now. I'm ready to start my car and get in my car and leave him, right? I don't know, I'm not even, not even, that's not my kid, right? He swings again, hits the ball, falls on the ground, misses it. Five times, six times, seven times. Listen, the harder he tries, the worse he gets, right? He just keeps swinging. Ten times, 11 times, 12 times, 15 times. Keep swinging, missing. Finally, I call timeout. I walk on the field. I'm that parent, right? I'm caring at this point. I'm stopping everything that's going on. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, if he misses, if he misses again, he has to be out. They're like, sir, nobody gets out. And Tebow, I said, I get that millennial crap. I understand all that. But he, if he misses the ball again, it is literally the universe, the Lord, whatever you believe in life, telling him to quit, right? And so swings again. He just kept missing. He never hit the ball. Finally, I just picked his bat up. I said, we're leaving, right? The more that he swung, the worse that his failures got. And I'm just telling you all that because so many of you, you think your best effort is going to lead to victory. But I want you to know, self-effort is always doomed for disappointment. Self-effort to change yourself is always doomed for disappointment. You are not good enough to change yourself. So the very first thing you say when Satan comes at you and he says, you can't do it. You've been clean for three days, but listen, listen, you've always made it to three days. You're never going to make it to 10 days. You've made it to a year. You've made it to a year before. You're never going to make it to two years. You've held down that job. You can never hold down a job. You've had a good couple weeks of marriage. You're never going to have a good, a good marriage. You're never going to be able to do it. And some of us, we just give more effort. We swing harder. We miss. Failures get worse. We fail. We frustrate. We quit. And so here's what you're going to say to him. The next time he says that, you're going to look at him right in the eye. I don't know. He's not real. I mean, he's not physically going to be there. Hopefully not. Please no, right? And so anyway, you're going to look whatever you need to look. You're going to say it out loud. You're going to verbally say it. You're going to say, you're right. I can't do anything on my own. It takes the pressure off you, by the way. You're right. I can't do anything on my own. And then you're going to get biblical with him because he has nothing against the Bible. Watch what the Bible says in Jeremiah 17. Here's what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Cursed. He says, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the salt land where no one lives. He's trying to give us a physical picture of a spiritual problem. He says, it's gonna, it's gonna be, you're going to be thirsty all the time. You're, you're never going to produce fruit in your life. First Samuel 2 says, it's not by strength that one prevails. It's not by strength that one prevails. Psalm 60 says, give us aid against the enemy, but human help is worthless. Listen, I can't stop sinning because I try to do it without God. I, I, I can't stop the drug because I try to do it without God. I can't save my marriage without God. I can't change my mind. I can't heal from my past. I can't forgive the unforgivable. I can't stay pure in my thought life. I can't figure out the next correct step in my business. I can't even pray the right prayers without God. You're right. I can't do anything on my own. In fact, I've noticed this. Have you ever felt like your efforts to avoid sin, get healthy, gain freedom are something you do for God instead of something you get to do with God? It's a problem. It's a performance problem. It's because most of us don't rest in, in the understanding of his grace and mercy for us. And so we think to ourselves, well, I'm just, I'm just trying not to let God down as if you were ever holding him up in the first place. As if he's ever loved you more when you succeeded and he, he's turned his back on you when you failed. The Bible says he just loves you in spite of you. 
that is faithful to you, that his mercies for you are new every morning. And so sinning and getting over things and changing is not something you do for God. It has to be something you do you do with God. So you look at Satan wherever you think he's at and you say, you're right. I can't do anything on my own. But let me just give you number two. But, and I told you before, the Bible is filled with, with buts, big buts, right? And so, but I can do all things through Christ. Simple as that. You're right. It's powerful. I can't do anything on my own. That's a sign of humility. But I can do anything that Christ calls me to. Watch how many passages are in scripture. Philippians 4 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Jeremiah 17 says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Zechariah 4 says, not by might nor by power, but by the spirit, says the Lord. Listen, we are not a we can church. Like we can do it. We can do it. We are a he can church. So the question is not, can I do it in your life? Can I do it? The question is, can Jesus do it? Can Jesus heal my marriage? Can Jesus break my addiction? Can Jesus make a way where there seems to be no way? Can Jesus transform me from the inside out? Can Jesus renew my mind? Can Jesus heal me? Can Jesus give me the strength to overcome the things that have imprisoned me from my, my, in my life? And the answer to all those questions is yes, he can. Yes, he can. Let me, let, me show you, let me show you a passage. I want to end with this story in Scripture. And usually I read a passage and I do points off it. But I wanted you to remember this story in Scripture because it's, it's so powerful. The Bible says in Mark chapter 9, uh, there's a story about a, about, a, about a father and his son who was struggling with being demon-possessed. Possessed, right? And so the Bible says in verse number 14, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with about them? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by the spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked the disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. What's, this is interesting to me, this first part, because oftentimes in our lives, we even, do, we even try to change with religion. You ever notice that? Like we, we try to apply uh, the Bible knowledge of God, right? Like our memory, things we've, we've learned in classes. You see, you ever meet somebody, they have, they have the Bible memorized, like the, the new King James, and not even new, the old King James version. They come with thuses and days, and you're like, wow, right? But you, you meet them, and you're like, but you're, you're, you're a jerk. You've been married six times. Like, but you, you know all this here, but you've missed, you've missed God by 18 inches because you don't have him here. So what's so interesting about this is this, this is prior to the Holy Spirit coming down on the disciples. So if you read scripture, Jesus kept telling his disciples, uh, when I leave, right? And they didn't get that. They're like, no, you're going to stay. He's like, no, I'm going to leave, but it's going to be good for you because when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to fill you with the same power that lives in me, right? He's going to comfort you. He's going to give you words to say you wouldn't, you didn't have. He's going to give you power that you can never get on your own. He's going to come. So this is prior to that. Jesus is still there, and they've watched Jesus do a bunch of, of miracles. Like, and so they, they try to apply what they've learned, their effort. This, this person comes up. They're like, he's foaming from the mouth or trying to figure it out. They're like, well, remember when Jesus did this? And they try to come at him. And the Bible says that the disciples try to heal him, but they couldn't. That's self-effort, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come at my problems with self-effort. Well, watch what the Bible says. I love this part. Jesus shows up. The Bible says, you unbelieving generation. How long am I going to stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me, he says. So they brought him. 
when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. You know why? You know why all of a sudden the spirit freaked out? Because Jesus is a problem for your problems. Jesus is a problem. He's a problem for your addictions. He's a problem for your broken marriage. He's a problem for your anger. He's a problem for your unforgiveness. Jesus is a problem for your problems. And so all of a sudden the spirit's like, oh snap. I can deal with the disciples. They got no power. They're self-effort. But Jesus, the name above all names, he's here, right? And the Bible says that the dude falls to the ground, rolls around, foams at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he says. The spirit has often thrown him into the fire or water to try to kill him. But if you can do anything, he says, take pity on him. Do you see the words of Jesus right here? He says, if I can, if I, if I, if, if I can, everything is possible for the one who believes. So the man looks back and says, I, I want to believe. Immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I don't even know what this is, but I need to believe, right? The Bible says when Jesus saw the crowd running to the scene, he rebuked the, the, the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The boy, the, the, the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that they made. Many said he's dead. You ever been through a fight so bad? It looks like you're never going to recover. Many times I'll say in church, listen, if your heart's still beating, God still has a plan for you. If you're not dead, he's not done. Amen. This little boy's been through a fight. It looks like he's dead, but the Bible says Jesus takes him by the hand, lifts him up to his feet, and he stands up. In other words, Jesus healed him immediately, and he removed this from him permanently. The Bible says in verse number 28, Jesus, after he'd gone inside, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we heal the boy? So what Jesus said, real simple, watch what he says. That kind of thing, this kind of thing, can only come through prayer. And here, here's what prayer is. Prayer is humbling yourself in, in, in the face of a situation while admitting you can't do anything with it. You need Jesus. The Bible teaches us when we become weak in those moments, when we lessen ourselves, that his spirit then rests on us. And if he shows up in your life, all things are possible. Can, can, there's somebody in this room I feel very strongly. There's somebody you cannot stop. Literally, you, you, you can't get clean. You've tried and you've tried. And even, even now, you've been coming to church. This is the longest, longest you've ever been sober in your life. But these last couple of weeks, they've been shaky. And maybe you even failed. Maybe you went the, the longest you've ever gone and you failed this last week and nobody even knows about it. And you failed and now you, you want to quit because you think to yourself, I can't do it. You're right, you can't. But in Christ, you can do all things. In Christ, you can stay clean. In Christ, you can keep going. Some of you failed this week. You fell down. You've messed up. You come into this place, and you have all sorts of shame, right? Maybe you're in Montgomeryville, all sorts of shame, and you're like, I can't even believe I'm clapping with these hands that have sinned this week. And I can't believe I'm using this, 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 this voice, this, this mouth to praise the Lord because I, I messed up all week. I've cursed all week. I've used my words for death all week. I shouldn't even be here. I can't ever change. You're right. You can't. But in Christ, you can do all things. In Christ, you can be everything that he has called you to be, a brand new creation, a child of the Most High, healed, whole, redeemed, filled with hope, filled with purpose, filled with joy. Amen? So here's how I want to end. So I think there's some things that can only be handled through prayer. 
There's moments that you can only, all you can do is invite Jesus into your situation. That's what we're going to do. So do me a favor. Would you stand to your feet all over our houses? And would you just bow your heads with me? And would you just close your eyes? And would you just begin to say that to Satan right now? You're right, I can't. But I can't. Some of you, you've tried in your marriage, and it's, it's broken. It just keeps being broken. Satan is working you over right now. He's telling you both, quit. You can't do it. You are never going to have a healthy marriage. He's probably even telling you this. You just got to find somebody different. It'll be better. Only problem is you're going to be there. It takes two. Maybe instead of allowing him to get you to quit, maybe you just say, we can't, we cannot fix it on our own. We are up against the wall. We are in a dead end. We are out of answers. We can't do it on our own, but Jesus, with you, all things are possible. Maybe you're in this place and it's addiction. Maybe, maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's your thought life. Maybe, maybe it's your anger your bitterness and you just you've tried on your own and you've read books and you've listened to leadership talks and and and, and wisdom and you've applied it and it still hasn't stuck and it feels like you can't get through what you're supposed to get through and satan is working you over and he's frustrated you and you're about to quit you're right i can't do it on my own but through christ i can do all things so all you're going to say in this moment is jesus i invite you into my life my life is yours my power comes from you my strength comes from you. And the Bible says when you humble yourself, when you, when you decrease, he increases. You invite his spirit on you. It'll rest on you. But you do that through humility. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Some of you in this place, as you, as you, as you pray, Christians, there's others of you who would say, you know what? I don't know what I am. I don't, you talk about being a Christian. I don't know what that means. And I just want you to understand a Christian is somebody who at one point in their life realized that they were a sinner and realized that their life was broken and met a man named Jesus who, who's our Savior and in that moment invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their life. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is not classified by politics. It's not cl- classified by, by good deeds. It's not classified by morals. Christian is somebody who has humbled themselves before God and invited Jesus to be the Lord of their life, received his gift of salvation. And that's a decision that every person has the opportunity to make. And here's the thing, I never ever close a service at Journey Church without presenting that to someone. I know know all of our problems are as a result of rebellion and sin. I know all the answers to all of our problems is Jesus. I know the the Bible promises where two or more are gathered in his name, that he's there. And I know when he shows up, that lives are changed forever. So he's here right now in Montgomeryville. His presence is here. Some of you can feel him. I I I can tell you when I got saved, I remember it. It was like a burning in my chest. Bible says a knocking at the door of your heart and I just knew in that moment even though I had been in church my entire life something was real in that moment something shifted something changed and in that moment I said a simple prayer Jesus I want you to be the Lord of my life and I got to tell you friend it wasn't perfection from that point forward 
I don't always get it right, but I received the love of a God that's never left me, that's never turned his back on me, that I can trust in my deepest, darkest moments, that I can share my fears with, and that I know is always with me. And he's the only way I get through life now. So he's here, and I believe there's somebody in this room that doesn't yet know him that wants to. Bible says if you would just call out to him, if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he came, that he died on a cross for your sins, that he was put in a tomb and on the third day he rose in power, he, he paid for your sin on that cross, he defeated the, 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 the result of, of death or, or sin, which was death, when he rose from the dead, and now it's through him you have salvation and eternal life. And that happens in when you say, you know what, I'm done being the boss of my own life, Jesus come in. Jesus, you can have my life. You can have everything. So I'm going to ask you a question. If I'm talking to you right now, the Lord's speaking more than even my words. It's the Lord. It's, it's, he's the only one that can save you. But you can feel it. You can feel him moving in the very being of who you are, your heart. Maybe it's beating really fast. Maybe there's tears coming down your cheeks and you don't know why. Maybe it feels like this entire time that I've been talking right to you you're confused maybe you think somebody sent me an email about you this week and I can promise you it has nothing to do with me I don't know you but there's a God that knows you better than you know yourself and he knew the exact seat you were gonna sit in the, the exact Sunday you were gonna come and he has set this whole moment up and he is inviting you into relationship with his son Jesus Christ if you would just receive him so I'm gonna ask you a question am I speaking to you are you ready to give Jesus your life right now and if your answer is yes to that question, in courage and in faith, with nobody looking around, I just want you to shoot your hand straight towards heaven. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life right now. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? I want Jesus to come into my life right now. If you're in Montgomeryville, you just keep your hand held high and they'll let me know. I want Jesus to come into my life right now. He's doing something right now in my life. Church, let's begin to pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that your word never returns void. Lord, I pray that you encouraged us, you strengthened us. Most importantly, you, ca you cause us to rely fully on you, fully on your, your, your power, fully on your presence and your goodness. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all that you continue to do in our lives. And we thank you for those that are responding to your gospel right now in faith. Say, Jesus, I don't want to do it on my own anymore. Jesus, come into my life. You can have everything. You can have my past, my present, and my future. Jesus, I believe in you. And from this day forward, I want to follow you with everything that I have. And Lord, as you do that, you come in. And it's beautiful what happens. You fill them with joy. You fill them with hope, with peace that surpasses all understanding, with a love that never leaves nor forsakes. Lord, the Bible says they're a brand new creation. What was true of them when they got here is no longer true of them in Jesus' name. So, Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, you speak to us through your word, that you, that you encounter us through your presence, and you empower us through your spirit, Lord. So thank you, Lord, that as we leave this place, we're built up, and we're ready to be the church that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. One more time, Journey Church. Let's shout amen together. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.